This episode is powered by Poddex. What up, fanboys, fangirls, utakus, non-binaries, and anime nerds? Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop, the podcast on all things pop culture. I'm your host, the franchise. I'm joining me a little bit is Biko. Hope you guys have a good week. Um, it's kind of weird getting used to doing this on Saturdays now, but like I said, that way we get a whole news, whole week of news of content or things that pretty much, you know, pretty much, you know, sticks out in the world of pop culture and also sports. I mean, try to be diversified. And of course, if you're like me at the time of this recording, um, the Premier League just started their fixtures today and I got up at pretty much around six in the morning. To watch Manchester United pretty much obliterate Leeds United with a score of 5-1. to one. It was really great. It's been a while since I got to sit down and watch a Premier League football match. And, you know, have my jersey on and everything. I'm, I'm still wearing it now. But it was going to see, you know, you know, fans finally in the stadium. You know, cheering the supporters. You know, cheering the teams. You know, you even had the visiting team supporters there as well. Like I said, you know, it's... Starting to soon get some more numeracy. Like, I've been seeing, like, these videos that people have been putting out on YouTube as well about, like, some conventions are opening up again. And, of course, they're following, you know, you know, social distancing guidelines, you know, wearing masks and stuff. It's, like, very few conventions are opening up. Um, like I said, they're, like I said, as long as they're wearing masks and stuff. And, of course, you know, and of course, wrestling is back on the road again as well. And, like I said, AEW. I'm, like, you know, I casually look at WWE I've been leaning towards more AEW just for the fact that you know it's I don't know the booking of AEW is a little better and I like the fact they take wins and losses to account and of course um, last night you know they had um, Rampage was the new Friday program that AEW got greenlit for to have another hour of wrestling so it's gonna be on Fridays at 9 o'clock and I think they're probably using that to probably film like episodes of Darker Elevation probably like an hour before but they opened it up with three matches. Um, that's the most they could do in an hour. And there were championship matches. Um, you had on um, the, the one to kick it off was um, Kenny Omega defending the Impact Wrestling Championship against Christian Cage. You know, who was formerly Christian in WWE. But, of course, he was an Impact before as Christian Cage. So, and of course, with Kenny Omega being the belt collector and, you know, having belts from, you know, not only being the AEW World Champion, but also the Impact World Champion, also the AAA, which is the Lucha Libre of Mexico Wrestling Federation, the Mega Champion. So, of course, um, it was an intense match between Christian Cage and, you know, Christian, you know, Christian Cage being out wrestling for like seven years, you know, because of injuries and stuff and finally getting into shape. Um, you know, finally get to see him, you know, earlier this year, he made his return at the Royal Rumble and, you know, for WWE and, of course, after that, he went with AEW. He shocked everyone when he jumped ship to AEW once his contract ran out. Um, and it was good to see him in the ring. And he has not lost a step. And he has been undefeated since he came back to wrestling and came to AEW. And has an opportunity to... He challenged Kenny Omega on Wednesday on Dynamite for the Impact World Championship. And also, he's also going to be taking on Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship at All Out in, in Chicago. That's in September. Um, so this match, you know, for, you know, being the show was only like an hour, but they would have fit at least 20 minutes of wrestling, which was really great, um, for that match. And 
man, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It was, you know, and it could be anyone's ball game. And, and finally, you know, of course, the Young Bucks made an error by leaving a chair there for Kenny Mega. Supposedly, he was going to take advantage of it. But, of course, Christian Cage, while the referee was being distracted by Don Callis, was able to take advantage and knocking out Kenny Omega with the steel by using the chair when using the kill switch. And, and we have a new Impact Champion. So that means, like, I think because now with the relationship that AEW is working with, like, they're working with other promotions, which is kind of cool. It's like, I think back in the old days when territories were regulated by the National Wrestling Alliance, so each territory was working with the other, you know, working together. And it's kind of cool how they're doing this right now to help each other out, how, you know, AEW has working relationships with, you know, with AAA, um, they're trying to get relationships with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then now they're working with Impact and, and, and the National Wrestling Alliance, who... People forget is back and under the tutelage of um, pretty much being promoted by um, Billy Corgan, who is the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins. He is running the National Wrestling Alliance. So I mean, they're working together with these three promotions, and you know, AEW getting a lot of like a lot of steam and a lot of content. They're getting you know TNT putting a lot of faith behind them, and and they're not losing their step. Their momentum's gonna keep going and. Um, congratulations to Christian Cage for being the Impact World Champion. If you guys watch Impact Wrestling, I believe it's on Thursdays. On these on Access, I think that's the channel they're on. So now, so now you get to see probably him on that channel as well. Um, and of course, um, it was a great match. And you see Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Express coming out, you know, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus coming out to support Christian. Then Mark Henry was there with Chris Jericho providing commentary along with um, Taz and Excalibur. Mark Henry's gonna be part of Rampage, you know, he was brought in as well. Not only the coach, you know, up and coming talent and help with AEW. And more of a producer's role, which he originally wanted to do in WWE, but never got the opportunity. Uh, so it's good seeing the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, there. We got to see Paul White for a little bit as well. And um I believe he came out on was it Dynamite? Yeah, I think Paul White came out on Dynamite to help out as well. If you didn't see Dynamite that on Wednesday. And then the second match we had um Fuego Del So who, you know, he's become so over with the fans ever since appearing on AEW through like Dark and Elevation also, you know, through Sammy's vlog, Sammy Guevara's blog, you know, how they made the whole thing of how he's not signed with AEW, that's his dream to get a full time wrestling contract. And of course this all build up, you know, I love Fuego Del So, he's hilarious. Um he's a really good talented wrestler and you know he got so over with the fans to the vlog and you know he has an opportunity to take on Miro who formerly known as Rusev in WWE for the TNT championship and of course if Fuego won the championship not only won the belt but he also have a contract with AEW and of course it was a match where basically started off you know Fuego being the king of the tornado DDT was you know pretty much you know back and forth did like consecutive TVs, but could not put the pin on Miro. Miro recovered, and the course pretty much put Fuego in the submission hole, and he couldn't hold on, couldn't last out, and it sucked because you know I was so hoping that Fuego was gonna win. People were so disappointed. They were cheering for Fuego throughout that match, and it was great. And of course, um, Tony Khan, who makes a rare appearance on television because he's usually in the he's an executive producer in the back, comes out and gives Samuel Kavara a, a clipboard. And goes out there, and of course, with wrestling, usually some things are predetermined. But for this, apparently, Guevara said that you know that Tony Khan was originally going to sign Fuego regardless, but Fuego didn't know about it. So 
the only person who knew was Sammy, and Fuego didn't know that he was gonna get signed. So just to get that, you know, he was like Fuego was so surprised. Like, you know, it was great that his best friend came out to surprise him. Like, hey, bud, you try your hardest, but guess what? You now you're part of us. Now you're all elite. And oh my god, it was the, the reaction from the fans and you know. And seeing, you know, cheering. I was cheering for Fuego, and I'm glad now he's gonna be part of the AEW roster. So it's good to see that. Your congratulations. And like, I mean, what I like about AEW is, you know, with this going with WWE now. Ever since the whole NXT making changes, now now they're implementing the whole no no small guys anymore. So now they're going back to what Vince McMahon's original vision of the big men again from the late '80s, early '90s. It's like he wants to go back to that era. I mean, to the big guys. I'm like, come on. At least with AEW, they accept people from all backgrounds, all sizes, which that's why I like it. And they all try to get matches and get booked. It's great. That's why they do wins and losses to get, you know, to get rankings and stuff. You know, it, I don't know. What's going on with NXT? And a lot of people, that has been like reports saying that supposedly Triple H is to blame that NXT cannot compete with AEW. But now you got Vince McMahon going, Bruce Pitcher going in and trying to freaking change NXT up again with all those releases the last week. And now they want to go back to the old model again. It's like Triple H is like losing a lot, a lot of power. It just sucks, you know. He, he put a lot of effort into NXT. And now to have Vince and Bruce Pitcher come in to step into his territory, which sucks. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I still watch NXT. I still keep up with it, but... I've been, like, leaning towards more all-league wrestling. I don't know. It's just a different change of pace because they can do much more. The more for an older audience, while WWE tries to be more, like, family-friendly. So, with that, with the third match of a Rampage, you know, being in Pittsburgh, and it's the main event, they had um, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, take it on uh, Red Velvet for the Impact for the AEW Women's Championship. And of course being Britt Baker's hometown. Of course she had the home field advantage. And it was a great match too. And of course you know Britt Baker wrestling with a injured wrist as well. So she had her brace on and everything. And they put on a quiet show. Calling on either way. Rip Velvet was so close. But ultimately Britt Baker. Being the more dominant champion that she is. Was able to put Red Velvet to submission with the lockjaw. And... Was able to, to, to do her defense. It was a great match. And, of course, at the end of the match, we had Chris Stanlander, who's one of the top-ranking contenders for a future title shot against Britt Baker, came out to help out Red Velvet. And, of course, um, she gets uh, attacked from behind by Jamie Hayter, who has come back to AEW, who may return now. She's realigned herself with Dr. Britt Baker. So now the question is, will we see her coming along we have to wait and see when the next Dark episode, Dark Elevation on Mondays or Dark on Tuesdays. Or we have to wait till next Wednesday's Dynamite, which I'm looking forward to because AEW is going to be in Houston for the first time. Um, where the Jurassic Express will be taking on the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championship. Hopefully Jurassic Express being the top number one contender in the rankings for tag teams. Hopefully they get their time. I think this is now time for the Elite to finally start losing the goal and start going back to what they're supposed to be doing, working hard and stuff. Like I said, and like I said, of course, Rampage next Friday will be at the United Center, which is supposed to be the biggest crowd AEW is going to have. Being in the United Center for Rampage, they're calling it Rampage the first dance because, of course, being in the United Center, you know, being tribute to the last dance of the Chicago Bulls. And, of course, the rumors that CM Punk 
even though he's working on that show Heels with Stephen Mel for stars, has been really, you know, candid. I mean, he was looking at AEW, like he said back then, when he left WWE back in 2014. If AEW was around, that could have been one of the options he would have gone to if his heart at that time was still into wrestling. But now his passion is starting to get back into it again. And, of course, he was working with, on, on the show Heels with Stephen Mel. And, and even according to the producers and the showrunners, they're saying he has not lost a step. He looks in great shape. Um, and there's rumors. Even Tony Khan has been, like, dodging questions if, you know, if he's going to make his debut. And, of course, the whole Darby Allen Best in the World promo that he caught, cut a couple weeks ago on Dynamite about him taking on the Best in the World. Of course, CM Punk, if you remember watching him in WWE, it's the proclaimed Best in the World. I would like to see CM Punk on there. Of course, Daniel Bryan's been rumored as well, making a debut in AEW. Supposedly, probably, you're holding it off for like All Out or possibly at Dynamite. That's supposed to be at the at New York. So we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, don't forget to check out AEW Wrestling and check out their YouTube channel for pretty much to check out for Dark Elevation or highlights from Dynamite. You can also check out Dynamite. You can probably watch it on demand on whatever TV service provider that you have. But like I said, my passion for wrestling is starting to get back into it because of AEW. I'm getting back into it more AEW. Like I said, I still keep up with WWE, but it's getting to the point where, you know, either Vince McMahon needs to step down and let new blood come in and try to revamp. Try to revamp the certain lines for these performers. Or not, you're going to keep releasing them due to so-called you claim budget cuts. So, so shout-out to AEW. Congrats. You know, they're doing really great. I, the rankings were a little, the ratings were a little bit better than SmackDown yesterday last night. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what AEW has in store for the next few months. So, definitely check it out. Um, one thing I do want to, you know, being that one of the things that dropped this week that kind of, like, stood out to me was, you know, after watching, you know, the Suicide Squad, seeing, um, which to me, like I said, if you saw... If you listen, watch our listen to our last episode, we talked about it. But um, one of the actors just made headlines right now. Um, Idris Elba, who you know played Bloodshot in Suicide in the Suicide Squad, teased something on Twitter of a white glove and red arm belonging to a certain character. Give me a few minutes, guys, to think about that. Still nothing? Alright. Um, he made news this week um, announcing that he'll be providing the voice of the Red Echidna Knuckles in the upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog film sequel. He'll be joining Ben Schwartz, um, James James Madison, and of course Jim Carrey for the upcoming sequel providing the voice of Knuckles. I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. If Giselle being, you know, a great actor, you know, in Luthor, um, The Office, um, he's done so many films, um, he has that demeanor, like, we'll see how he pulls it up, being, um, Sonic's, you know, based on what this film's gonna be, probably like a nemesis that's a main nemesis turn rival, depending how this film's gonna be, um, just to see how Knuckles is gonna sound, like, hit, like, each of his voice coming out of Knuckles, which to me is a big, you know, surprise to everybody, it's shocked Everybody, when Idris went to Twitter to announce it, and then of course, you know, they Paramount confirmed it on their end as well that it is true. So, I'm happy to see um, how this plays out. I'm looking forward to the sequel, it's supposed to come out 
pretty much next year. It's late for next year. Um, they are working on. I think they're in post right now. So I think they did a lot of like the you know they film everything uh, location shots. So now you know they had like built in models to stand up for the CGI character. You know for the Sonic Knuckles. And now we get to see Tails. So if you haven't seen the first Sonic the Hedgehog film, definitely check it out. Uh, you know it was one of the top films last year for the pandemic. It was like the last films to come out before you know we went into lockdown. Um, definitely check it out. I believe it's on Hulu. You can check it out on Hulu. You can get it on Blu-ray, DVD, on demand. Definitely check it out. I really enjoy it because, you know, being a Sonic fan for so many years, finally he gets a film. Yeah, of course, he made cameos with Wreck-It Ralph, but he finally, and he had that OVA that was packaged as Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. But this is an actual film, which to me did a great job. It was a film that pretty much, based on Sonic's original model for the film, Got a lot of backlash from the fans, and they went in and actually listened to the fans. They brought in someone to actually worked on his character design for Sonic Media, helped with the product, with the character design, the redesign. And Ben Schwartz, he's a great actor. He's John Raphael in Parks and Rec. Um, he's he was in Ducktales. He does a lot of voice work now as well. And definitely check out Sonic the Hedgehog two when it comes out. I believe I know that's the working title right now. That's coming out. Next year, I don't know when next year, but I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, Idris Elba back in Knuckles. Hopefully, when Biko joins, he'll give me his thoughts. So, I'm going to go ahead and keep plowing ahead. <laughs> because, yeah, and of course, um, of course, if you follow like anime and stuff, um, pretty much um, it was announced uh, finally after waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for so long. Sony, you know, Sony Pictures Japan, basically Funimation announced that it finally the acquisition of Crunchyroll into the Funimation Global Group has been finalized. So now Crunchyroll and Funimation, now, now Crunchyroll is not going to be absorbed into Funimation. Um, they announced it back on Monday that finally the purchase has finally been approved by the Department of Justice. No more investigation. So now Crunchyroll is going to fall under the Funimation Global Group. Of course, this is a big win for anime fans. Because even though Netflix is trying to put more investments into anime, you know, with you know, with licensing titles, and of course Warner Media has announced some I forgot the the guy's name has been announced to help develop new anime as well for like Adult Swim and stuff. So as well. So like anime is becoming more and more big here in the West, you know, and you know, with Crunchyroll and Funimation, hopefully they even said they're going to work right now to determine what's the best course of action moving forward. Chances are either Crunchyroll is going to absorb the Funimation will have one streaming app. And I think it depends on the availability of the services in different regions. I don't know because I know with them buying Anime Lab and Anime Lab was available in Australia. Now, now it's just Funimation in Australia. Funimation is starting to expand more in other countries. You know, they want to expand to Latin America. Um, now having a foothold in Europe as well. With Crunchyroll having, you know, access to Viz Media properties in Europe. And, you know, buying that group. And then, you know, having a big, you know, well-known name in Japan. But we'll have to wait and see how Crunchyroll will be. Hopefully they'll have the people that do the subtitles for Crunchyroll do the subtitles for Funimation. Because right now, yeah, Funimation subtitles... I only use the default, you know, streaming stick subtitles. Well, at least with Crunchyroll, they actually, what I like about them, they'll match the font to the characters in the animes. 
So it'll match the font and the coloring of the text, which is kind of cool. Because watching My Hero Academia, how they flash all the, the different students' names and quirks, actually show on the top, you know, their name, what quirk they have. Versus Funimation, you only get just, you know, when they're talking. So hopefully they'll get people that work on the subtitles for Crunchyroll on there. And of course, you'll probably finally get to see Crunchyroll titles available on Funimation. They're normally Crunchyroll originals. They go like God of High School, um, Tonakawa, Fly Me to the Moon, or, you know, Tower of God, or Jujutsu Kaisen, to name a few. Finally get to see those on Funimation. And of course, with Funimation, you know, having Crunchyroll, which to me, like I said, it's a big win. Because now they get to compete with, you know, with Netflix. Because like I said, Netflix is trying to be a big thing in their fun, in the anime game. So, we'll have to say, wait and see what the next coming weeks it's going to be and how the whole transition is going to be now that, you know, this whole thing is behind them. This just got announced last in December, at the beginning of this year, that they agreed to a deal. And, of course, Warner Media, you know, had to shell out Crunchyroll because, they're, you know, AT&T trying to shell out all the depths they have <laughs> from buying Warner Media. So, Vico, now that you finally joined us, join me, um... I was talking like earlier about Idris Elba playing Knuckles. What's your thought on that? Because I know you haven't seen the film. I've been trying to get you to see the first film. I'm not going to watch it, but um, I think it's fine. I don't know. It's strange that they're going to have him. I don't know if they're, he's going to use the English accent or he's just going to play a different voice. So um, I guess it'd be interesting for people to see how he goes and plays a character. But eh. I, is it nice that they're going to use Knuckles to throw into the story yeah he's an interesting character he's very important from the lore and if people already saw the first one you need to expand it um but him playing it i guess it could have been anybody it's a cartoon movie so i guess so live action slash yeah but he's playing the cartoon character right so it's like he doesn't have to appear in the movie himself so he can just lend his voice but if they make him be english i guess that's kind of cool too um that'd be kind of cool but no, I don't really have problems with it. I, I like that he's been on more of a boost again lately in Hollywood, even if he's been doing a couple of stinker movies and then coming back out and doing good ones. So it's nice. A nice little run for the for the summer for him, at least, um, what they're trying to do. Because I'm assuming this movie's going to come out next year. Yeah, that's right now. But like I said, right now, I think they're in post right now. They just, they just allowed the principal filming outdoors. So now they gotta work on the post stuff, you know, adding the characters in. Yeah, it's gonna take Gain, forever. It takes a while for that. And of course, you know, Jim Carrey's back as Eggman, which is awesome because it's like, you know what Jim Carrey is? He doesn't always do sequels, but he enjoyed doing this film. He enjoyed doing the first film. Like, he had so much fun. And Jim Carrey, when it comes to projects, he's pretty picky. Right. And nobody like says, it's hardly, he hardly does sequels. It's only what happened with Dumb and Dumber and, you know, what happened with Ace Ventura. Yeah. So he has that thing where he hardly does want to do sequels, but. Based on when his work on Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, two years ago, they, he had fun. Like, even the people on the set said it was like seeing the old Jim Carrey. Like, he put a little bit of his mannerisms into the Eggman character. Because it's like, an, it was an origin story. Yeah. So, like, basically, you've seen the first one. You see how he gets that. First, he was working for the government. That's how it is in the first film. And eventually, how his personality changes throughout the film. Like, his development gets to it. Why he becomes now obsessed with Sonic and all that stuff now. In the way the, the first film ends. Now, with the second film, you know, bringing Knuckles in the fold, I know they're going to try with the whole dimensions and stuff, like different worlds, like the rings can take it to different worlds. <sighs> because if you've seen, like, the first game, you know how Mosaic uses the ring to transport, he transports to, like, the special zone. That's what they did with the first film. But now, with how Amy got stuck, if, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, he, got, he gets stranded. So now we'll see how he recruits Knuckles. 
And of course, Tails will be in the sequel. So just to toss like who's going to voice Tails because I know they had the voice actress who does the voice of Tails from the video games make the cameo at the end of the first film. So let's see. It's going to be the same actress doing the voice of Tails. Um, we'll see how that works as well. And like like I said, just they're going to have the same human characters going to be in it as well. Um, like I said, they'll have the same human characters. But I like for a fact with A-Man, they kept him human. We'll see how Jim Carrey looks in the second film. Mm. And like I said, how like I said, how Knuckles plays them. Maybe we'll see how the Chaos Emeralds look when they're animated. I mean, Chaos Emeralds look and you know, how Knuckles is. How, like I said, how Knuckles. Like I said, I'm looking forward to Idris Elba, you know, in that role. I was like, you know, when he put on Twitter and that picture of the glove, I'm like, what the heck? And like I said, our buddy, Mon- our mutual friend Mondo is like, he sends me a text saying, hey, check this out. He, he sends me a text and it's like, and I thought, you know, I thought it was like, you know, it was fake. I didn't know if it was true or not. But no, like this, I went in the article and, and it had a picture from Idris Elba's Twitter and it's a picture of Knuckles' glove. And he just put like, coming soon. It was like a picture that's coming soon. And then the whole internet pretty much blew up. Like, they're like, holy shit. Freaking Bloodshot is playing freaking Knuckles and it's like, Charles from The Office is playing Knuckles. It's like, dude, Idris Elba on The Office, man? Come on. Now I see all the memes and stuff. Yeah. Coming out with that too as well, and you know I'm excited, I'm excited for it, and you know I'm looking forward to it as well to see that you know that's coming out. And of course, um, I was, I also I was mentioning too is like I guess conventions are starting to open up again. Like so far, I I seen so far pretty much in the south, southeast. Um, of course they're having you know, you know social distancing guidelines. You know everyone has to wear a mask. But I like how people are integrating their mask into their cosplay as well because you know it's starting slowly starting to get to normalcy like with convention stuff. I mean, the last question we went to was C2E2, but that was last year before the lockdown. <laughs> but now, so far, you know, C2E2 is supposed to come back here in Chicago. It's supposed to come out in December, and I think soon they're going to start doing the, the pre sales for the badges. But I don't know. To me, I'm like the bang of going or not because we'll see how it goes in December because it's in the winter. So, but now with these conventions open up again, um, what's your thoughts on that, Biko? Like about conventions, conventions opening up again, up? and you know, uh, I mean, if we're gonna see concerts, at least like like door, concerts and stuff too, like these see, public events starting to open up again. Well, I mean, like if they're already having outdoor festivals going on, and they're able to handle the situation accordingly, and they're able to check people for vaccination cards and or negative tests so like I have no problem with that and it's showing that the results are okay it's able to kind of um, as we could see regulate the situation in, in, in public spaces so I know there's going to be some pushback where like in, when it comes to indoor events especially conventions where they are renting out these big adequate spaces but as you know and I know we, these places tend to get super packed no matter what you do so that's the problem to where, yes, we want to see conventions happen and, like, people gather around, but, like, we also have to not ignore the fact that these are also business events. So it has to be profitable for the business that are there renting the, the time and the space to sell their products and for the brands that are coming out, the celebrities that they're paying to make these appearances for the fans to kind of also spend their own money on products and services so it's like that has to be 
profitable and safe for both parties and I just don't as much as we want to see that happen when it comes to the indoor game I know people complain about restaurants and stuff but at the end of the day you're not at a restaurant for as much time as no. you're at a convention so we can't compare those two because it's just different I'm not saying you can't be at a restaurant for an hour or two or a bar however you can leave that place adequately and the, the staff has full right to like you know, turn them and burn them, as we say it in that, or you don't turn tables faster. Mm-hmm. In a convention, you're paying, what, a ticket to be there for however it opens to close. How many hours? Like, in, 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 yeah, four days. Yeah, it's in, open in, to close, guys. So, like, as long as you're there, you can be there for the whole time, for as long as the it's open. So, they have to be able to keep that safe, too. And if they're able to kind of take what we see in these outdoor events and see how it's working, a lot of Palooza being a case where we're seeing articles saying that there was... They were able to keep it at like ninety percent people being vaccinated. The rest showing negative tests, so they're able. There were some reported cases of COVID spreading, but like for the most part, they were. Able it to was keep like at a minimum. But those are other articles released after the fact of the other people saying it was spread. So I don't know if it's conflicting information. Mm-hmm. We don't know just yet. But there's other festivals happening in the city later this August, so we're, we can see the results of that coming up in September. But. For the most part, I think with conventions, if they're able to keep it limited instead of selling large number tickets, and they're able to, if we see it only being two days instead of three, if we see those events happening to where they're able to scale it down and, and, and how do I say, not, not do a big push into it, but mm. like, let's handle it small, smaller doses, let's handle it smaller, but let's keep it just, just as an experiment, you know, so... That way we can that way we can see bigger conventions later down the line, especially next year. We're already halfway down the year, so like let's see it to, for next year. That way, bigger conventions can open up, they mm-hmm. can scale it out better, and they can feel safer about having these operations run smoothly. And for the people who work it, because you have to keep in mind, like you have volunteers helping out in these events, you have people who are staffed and paid, along with people's small and independent businesses running too. They. You know, you want to be mindful of that too, where everyone's safe and who are involved in these events. So I don't know. I want to see it happen. I want to see C two E two happen, and I want to see Wizard Con and Comic Con oh, happen. But it's yeah. not at the not at the cost of people's lives. It's not worth it. Oh yeah. Speaking of Wizard World, actually, I do find something they did announce this week about Wizard World. Let me pull it up here because that was on Twitter. Somebody was on was on follow stuff. I have everything following on Twitter. But I think I saw that Wizard World was making headlines this week because regarding the feature of their events as well. So I can pull it up because they were on the news about it. Like I said, speaking of conventions, it's a good segue there. Let me go ahead and look it up here. It was on the news. Yeah, so here we go. So again, Wizard World. It says here, Wizard World, this is from Radar.com, GamesRadar.com. And this is on Twitter, too. Wizard World closes its convention business, selling all oh. cons off to Fan Expo. What? And it says here, after 20, this is where Arcus by Chris Arant. After 25 years, the Wizard World comic conventions are no more. No. It says, with Fan Expo has announced a deal with Wizard World to acquire six of Wizard World's largest yearly comic conventions, including the organized Chicago, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Portland, and St. Louis was World events. Um, Fan Explosion, this is a, a quote from them. Um, Fan Explosion is accused of votes creating unmissable, exceptional fan experiences 
We're beyond thrilled to be honored to offer that to fans in 60 locations and pleased that Wizard World recognize our ability to elevate guest experience to the next level. Fan says Fan Expo HQ President Aman Gupta in the announcement. We're looking forward to getting to know each of these individual communities, learn what they're looking for, and raise the bar. Wow, Wizard World, man. That was like the first convention we went to. Well, that makes me sad now because I was like talking about... We went there twice. Like, oh, I think no. we, went, we went twice to Wizard World. Like, yeah, it was all right. I mean, yeah. I don't know if we ever talked about Wizard World experience. I know we did an episode of conventions back... I think we did more C2E2, but we never talked too much about... Wizard World? Wizard World. I mean... Ah, oh, man, the first year we went... I mean, it was in Rosemont. It was at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center. Um, because it's like... You know... I... They were hearing about these things, never actually going before, and you know, Comic Con internationally, the biggest one, being the hardest to get into because, like, it's the biggest one. But I mean, there. What's cool about this one, you know, you know, finding out, oh, hey, Chicago does this too. I'm like, there's so many conventions and events in your cities, depending where you go to. But to me, Wizard World was like, it was not bad, you know. I mean, for it was at Rosemont, right? It was at Rosemont, yeah. And being with Rosemont, being, you know, the go-to for all things like entertainment, basically that's what they're known for. And, you know, man, how many years was it since we went to that first one? It's like 20... Hmm. I think it was like 2013 or 2014. I don't remember, dude. I'm like, my memory's so bad. (laughs) Because I remember I dressed as Finn from Adventure Time. So, because I think that was when I started watching Adventure Time around that time. So... So I remember doing that. Yeah. There's a Liverpool game on side. Sorry, you're up. It's, it's, it's starting at 11:30. But um, no, I can't remember the year we went. But it was nice because it was the first time we were able to see the structure of um, how the convention, how the convention went. Because it was the first time going for Rosemont being somewhat of a weird structure room. It was like a big place. Did they have panels in that one? Yeah, they had, I mean, the way the building was structured, I mean, parking was convenient because you had to park in the parking garage, and it's like you just had to take the, the bridge to the to the place, yeah, walk so the pedestrian going bridge. To, so going down I mean, McCormick is different. Oh yeah, freaking comparing it to C2E2, yeah, we can compare both of them. We can talk about this. We probably want to talk about conventions for the rest of this episode because now we got into a tangent about it. But speaking of that, um, but yeah, compared them to, I think being at Rosemont, they had bigger space. And plus, being that they're adjacent to to the airport, so you could probably use a lot of the. They can use a lot of those like pay to park things to shuttle over there. And being that they were with the way it's situated, you had the big parking structure, then you had the outlets nearby, so you had like many options to park. So many options to park and. So there was pretty like a much. Starbucks in there that was going on at the same time. Is that that Starbucks there? Yeah. yeah. And, like, Wizard World, like I cool. said, the way it was, it was real organized. Like I said, it's, like, the first time we went, you know, first time I actually dressed up because, as I said, watching television shows, watching TV, and people talk about conventions, it's good to go dressed up. You know, show your passion while you're passionate about your character because you probably meet other like-minded people that like the same things you do, which is the whole thing of that. You know, get to see the different retailers. Yeah, it's, like, a conventions are almost like a flea market per se. Oh, it's a flea market. It's basically a flea market, but you get to also see people that want to sell it. Like, you get to see up-and-coming projects that are being worked on. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people actually that work in the industry 
sharing details of what they're working on with you, like in, in an intimate setting, and you know, and seeing celebrities you haven't seen for a long time making their appearance there. Mm-hmm. Everybody has been able to talk with them for a few minutes, even if it's for a few minutes, take a picture, get an autograph. You actually talk to them for like a little bit and have a conversation, like a short conversation, and then their time to be there. And of course, like I said, being in cosplay, addressing your favorite characters, get recognized, and you know, checking out the different products that you probably won't be able to get in online retailers. Mm-hmm. They usually are from local businesses, getting like rare to find comic books that you probably won't be able to find any local retailer. And, you know, like a talking shop, you know, they got D&D set up. You know, if, you, if you're into D&D, they had corner set up for gaming or our video gaming. Um, they had, you know, um, like I said, and then, you know, the whole, you know, social interaction with different people and, and like the panels themselves, you know, like I said, going back to the panels and getting to see, you know, what the next thing is coming out, you know. And, of course, food-wise, I... It's up to you guys if you want to get food at the convention. I mean, we never did partake in it. We, I think we just got water. Well, it's pretty basic. It's just a very basic food. I mean, the only thing, like I said, and plus, too, you got to make sure, think about what you're going to dress as, so to make sure to check the weather, too, dress appropriately. Because it does get pretty warm in there. It's hot. There's a lot of people. It was a lot of people, so you do get pretty warm in there, so you got to be really, you know... But like I said, the one year I dressed as Finn from Adventure Time. So they get pretty hot under that hat. But um, it was great. People loved the costume. Because I kind of got, like, I pretty much got the Finn hat, but I was able to find the backpack online. But I got pretty much everything else. I pretty much um, made, kind of like made a costume, but assembled a couple pieces to make it look like, you know, the character. Because at that time, I was always watching Adventure Time. Um, and, uh,. Like I said, just the layout to me was spread out between the floors. So I think the bottom floor was like the artist alley, and the second floor was um, pretty much the hotel. And then on our part of the convention center, had just the, the blocked out for the panels and stuff. They call it the showroom. It's just like the showroom. It's, yeah. a, it's a flea market you can dress up to. Yeah. That one there just didn't really focus too heavy on panels because like I just didn't know if they had the space for it. Well, they just probably didn't want to give them the space to do it. Which is strange. Because those are all, like I said, it was a traveling, you know, it's a traveling organization, but they oversee the places in Chicago and stuff. So, and it wasn't bad. I mean, no, it was kind of cool. We got to see the Batmobile. This is where we saw, I remember, I remember, I I was looking at my Facebook, and you know how Facebook does the whole memory thing? So I had a picture of me at Wizard World, I don't know how many, like I said, I didn't know how many years on this day. There's a picture of me with the Batmobile on the 60s Batman. So... Uh-oh. You got to see that. Um, I think I met Lou Ferrigno, I think. Yeah, you did. I got to meet Lou Ferrigno. He was a big dude, man. He's a big guy. Like, his hands were, like, huge, man. It was, like, crazy. Um, par- like I said, parking wasn't bad. We went there, like... No, but so I think what we did was we ate first. So we stopped at the Oasis on the way there. Got food there. And then went to the convention. So we got there at, like, around 11, I think. 11 or 1. I don't know. One of those days. It was a lot of walking, dude. So prepare to have comfortable shoes, guys. It is a lot of walking. You're constantly walking. I mean, you do have places where you can sit down, but yeah, constantly walking. Just take a picture. It's a mall day. You like you gotta go with that with that mentality. Like, you're gonna be at the mall, but it's like a big mall you've never been to, and there's a lot of stores and a lot of people. So you're just shuffling around a lot, and then you're standing around. Like it's just and that's fun too, because 
you're getting, like you said, you get to see a lot of cool things that people bring. You're able to support them that you might not see, or artists of like familiar faces that you, you can that you can put onto the artists you really like. So they're all there, and like you get to show them props because they they get to be within, I guess, people who like their shit, and and maybe because like the money doesn't reflect that, but at least the fans are there to kind of show love for that shit. There, I think there's even some tattoo artists there that were doing some shit. I think. Was that Wizard World or was it C2E2? Well, no, but I can imagine they probably had stuff like that within there. But I don't in C2E2 we had that that case. Man, which, I wish we had more time there. But the comparisons from C2E2 to Wizard World is uh, night and day just because I think there's more. Yeah, because for C2E2, behind I think the one year we went to, the first time we went to C2E2, we went early because we figured it was in the city and being it's downtown Chicago and traffic sucks. Um, we wanted to get there to get, a, to get a parking spot. Lucky we were lucky to get it next to the convention center. We were get the we were to park next to the McCord place, and it was the parking garage adjacent to it. So we were yeah. free of parking. I think last year, all of it. Last year we went late, and oh god, sucked. It sucked so bad. I mean, we went there about three times. I think we went. Mm-hmm. So like last year was like a third time. But then, like the year before, like we didn't go there for like three years, and because I know the second time, the second year we went to C two E two, um, we had a park, we had a walk a good distance to the convention center, but it wasn't far. But we had a walk, and it wasn't a bad day. And then, like I said last year, yeah, we freaking parked. I think we parked by the old McCord place, so we had to walk from that parking structure all through the old McCord place. Do the walkway to get to the new one. But I think last year's wasn't as... I don't know, to me, I felt it was more cramped than last than the years prior. Because they had so much room, but they kind of like... You know, they kind of like put everything so close together. Like, they didn't spread it out as much. You know, they had the space to spread everything out. But I felt last year, compared to the, the previous two times we went to C2E2, um, at least that was more spread out. To me, last year's... Because you know that was before the lockdown. That was before the lockdown, and to me, it was like so cramped. But yeah, but yeah, if you're gonna, COVID was there. COVID was there too. It had to be. Yeah. So pretty much, like I said, if you're gonna go this year to conventions, you know, make sure you go early, get parking, and like I said. Dress comfortably, you know. Hydrate. Hydrate yourself. If you are going to be in costume, hydrate yourself. Of course, have your mask on you. I mean, like I said, they will check. Make sure you're wearing a mask. You know, find a cosplay that, you know, you can wear a mask in. But I think as long as, I don't know, because I saw, based on the vlogs I saw, so I follow Adam DeWoo, and he was at MegaCon in Orlando right now. And there are some people that wear Spider-Man masks and they didn't say anything. Like, they had the full cover masks. But I think if you're just going to wear, like, cosplay, just make sure you have your regular mask. Uh, the M95 mask. Yeah, like an M95 mask. So find something that matches the color. Like, people make, they get creative. Because I know, what's his name, Razor, they're making something like that. They're making some kind of, like, N95 gaming mask or something. So that's supposedly going to pass tests and stuff. And, yeah, it just... Seen this announced that Fan Expo's taking over. I don't know how Fan Expo handles conventions. Um, if you guys 
want to let us know on Twitter about that, how Fan Expo runs conventions. Because okay. I heard the name, the name's familiar, but I don't know if that, that's only in other, like in the southern states. Fan Expo? Yeah. Because that's the first time I hear of them. Now they're taking over the Wizard World name or taking over the conventions now. So I'm curious to see how it is next year because I think they, they guess it's going gonna, it's gonna to start next year. This one's going to be now called Fan Expo Chicago, probably, if I would call it like that. Which, it's not a bad name, too. I, well, fuck, it sounds better than Wizard World. I'd be like, eh, I don't know, Wizard World's got a nice ring to it. But it doesn't sound like, there's not a lot of wizard shit in there. <laughs> Maybe some wizard shit, but... Well, there's, like, I, some fantasy stuff, but it's not the majority. I think the one year, I think the second time I went to Wizard World, I was dressed as um, the 11th Doctor from Doctor Who. That was fun like, compared to, compared to, like, Fan Expo. Fan Expo sounds nice, because, like, oh, you're a fan of all this shit. So, like... Here you go. Like C2E2 was kind of yeah. like that too because it's like it's the Just biggest general. pop culture. It's general. General stuff. And like Yeah. When you hear Wizard World what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like LARPing. Yeah, you see? So it's like come to LARP, LARP Fest 2020. <laughs> but no, I mean I guess we'll, OBC maybe it's going to be a competitor. To C2E2? Yeah, because I really want to see now that like Things are opening back up. Yeah, because I think it's supposed to be in December. I think either later this month or next month they're supposed to start doing the tickets. Get investments in that shit. Like, I feel like people can really make some like cool events again. Now they have to start from like a different, like not not saying everyone start from an even playing field, but like they all have. I think next year's will hopefully by next year we'll get back to like how it's supposed to be. Right, they have to reassess how they operate. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see the changes made. Hopefully, there's any made. All right, and speaking of that, big, uh, big code, have you seen anything recently, like TV wise, or anything you're watching right now, or anything you see that you know kind of stands out for this week? No, I just watched Hell's Kitchen. You were in Hell's Kitchen, man. Well, that's the only thing we watched was a newer, newer season because it's a new season. But like TV wise, no, I just uh, I haven't seen anything new. Yeah, but Hell's Kitchen, man. I don't know. What is the... I don't know. I never got into it, so I don't know what's the... Well, this one's particularly different because they're, like, younger kids, like, literally, like, 20... From 20 to 24, we'll say, average age. They're all young guns. That's what they called young guns. And, and Ramsey's just yelling and stuff. But they're all guy, kids who work in the industry and some who... Yeah, most of them worked in the industry. And some who got eliminated don't. They all came as, like, home amateur chefs so it's like it's they're all challenged you know the like the winner's gonna get his kitchen or like his new restaurant opening up in uh vegas right it's like a burger burger grill kind of pub spot a grill pub spot mm-hmm. and so he's testing them and like they have uh different type of chefs in there so like i guess it's they want to appeal to the younger crowd by bringing kids who are somewhat their age so i think they th- from what i assume maybe they think that like kids from age 18 to like 22 23 mm-hmm. watch cooking shows or know of Gordon Ramsay because he does all these fucking shows now like he started doing Gordon Ramsay like I'm um, meets Anthony Bourdain type of feel of type of shows mm-hmm. like he's going to different parts of the world and he's like he was in I think I saw an episode he was in Mexico and he was like cooking fucking like some lunch for Oaxacans like just like out in the fields so like he was learning how to make mezcal and all that stuff so it's like he's trying to do the Anthony Bourdain thing trying to fill that void it's cl- it's not the same no. by any means but it's his like it's his 
it's his thing, like, it's his charm, because he kind of, like, he's more loose in these in this one, so he's able to joke around with the people he's cooking with, because he, it's his chef friends, right, from all around the place. Oh, okay. That, are, like, introduce him to different things and different parts of culture that, and the region he's in. So, like, it's cool. Like, the show's interesting and stuff, it's not, and, that, but that's a, the one thing you can easily compare it to, is, like, what is he, and it's tough, because Bourdain left is such a fucking standard to reach, but in these type of shows, so, like, it's hard not to compare it to that but like Ramsey's trying to do that with all these different types of cooking shows and Hell's Kitchen is no different when it comes to like reaching a certain demographic and with this one it's interesting because it's nice to see these young guns cook um and they're really good at it they're very talented so I yeah so I think what I mean I know Gordon Ramsey because based on his reputation being like a hard ass and yeah, oh, yeah, the shows you see, but like you said about this other show I think he just wants to show like another side to him yeah, at least the one that's like the Bourdain like show he he wants to like the more like you know casual because I mean he has to put that kind of you know strict you know yeah because it's more documentarian yeah um Ramsey which he does he I mean back then his Kitchen Nightmare show back before he brought it to the U S it was very good because like if he brought he wasn't creating narratives like they do in here like mm-hmm. more drama narratives it's more or less like he was really focused on like the improvement he was making the connection he was making with the kitchen staff he was trying to help like and like really well really trying to like invest himself in what the problems were there and he really showed that he cared and, and it was like a genuine interaction as to what he was trying to provide his services and like how to improve the restaurants and these people who were fucking desperate as shit mm. to like turn that shit around like he it's like their angel of saving grace, but also like he's saying fuck to you, and so like fuck off, and like he's the one trying to give it to you straight, as opposed to an angel who's just trying to sympathize. So it's nice that that UK Kitchen Nightmare, like watching that, he should have got. I think he got awards for it, but like he, if that was the way they brought it when they brought it here, if that was edited differently and made just like that and they let him do it himself instead of the way American reality TV shows fucking want to be. See, that's what's kind of me. I'm not much it like... Ruined it. Yeah. That's why, like, I understand you, the appeal that you guys, like, you watch it because, like, to me, I don't know. I, I mean, like I could say, like, Pressure Rust is almost like a reality show in itself. Yeah. Oh, it's a reality show. It's a reality show in itself, almost, like, itself because it's, you know, it's predetermined. Um, it's one of the first reality shows if you think about it. Yeah, because it's like having a story, like you said, it's just coming out with the story just get people to, you know relate to the characters and see how it goes but what I like about what what difference with like AEW and WWE episode like I said earlier in the episode I was comparing it to was like I said I was talking about Rampage last night when it comes to like promo cutting and they have all like Tony Khan you know a lot of wrestlers when they go on podcasts and stuff they ask how is Tony Khan in the whole booking process how is he you know is he hands on is he you know gives input and they're like, yeah, Tony Khan is really hands-on. He's a wrestling fan first. Um, he knows when it comes to, like, because being around, you know, how to handle personnel and stuff. Because, you know, being around his dad, because they own the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, they own Tottenham. They own the stake in Tottenham as well. So they know how to deal with, you know, staffing and stuff. But he says when it comes to promos, he's just, you know, with WWE, they have the, like, they add, these wrestlers, when they talk about doing promos in WWE, um, they have these writers showing stuff to their face and stuff. You got to say this and this and this. And AEW is different. Tony Khan just lets him do it organically. Just gives him one bullet point and go off for that one bullet point. That's it. Like he lets them like do the promos how they want to do it, but goes just gives him one bullet point. That's it. Try to give it a little more improvisation or give it more, make it sound more organically spoken. Mm-hmm. Pretty much make it more natural. 
versus WWE, like it's more scripted. Like you gotta follow these steps step by step. You know, go through this, go through this, go through this. Kind of takes away the whole personality of your character. Creativity. You're trying to yeah, it takes away the creativity and the portrayal you want to portray that character you're trying to give to the audience. Versus AEW, where it's more like he just gives you this one point, just work on that. It's like watching Who's Line. Like you get you give somebody like an improv class a topic, and you can see how much you can go creatively with that. Okay. So. Yeah, like, to me, like, with cooking and stuff, like, honestly, with cooking shows, I mean, I glanced at Food Network a couple of times. I enjoyed watching Anthony Bourdain when he was on the Travel Channel, of course, when he was on, you know, when he was on CNN as well, with his yeah. show on there. I mean, Andrew Zimmer with um, Bizarre Foods as well, because you got to see the whole open world, like, these different, like, cultures when it comes to cooking. Yeah, and it was nice to see these guys, like... Should be themselves and show their pers- create these personalities for these shows of like, like you said, bizarre eats being we're eating weird shit, and the guy was so like happy go lucky about everything, about getting to do a show about eating weird shit. He was so enthusiastic about it because like, it's like seeing like, like not you, every you know you gravitate to these characters. Because it shows like you can oh. be creative. Like you said, it's all about creativity in the kitchen. They can take. They're things. all just regular chefs that like food, you know. So it's like it was and always cool tried to. See to- all that. Go to the next level, like try to see what it can work with, uh, experiment and stuff. I think people like to see people be, like, either describe or, or be able to document like past things that they're passionate about very well. Like, not a lot of people are able to do that very well on mm-hmm. the camera, especially if they're trying to present like foods or regions, or like all those guys who do the nature shows. Like that's just hard too because you're trying to provide information and. And explain reasoning behind certain things, and then also trying to yeah, because you're trying to teach the audience. Yeah, so it's like you're trying to keep the audience engaged on shit that they wouldn't normally be engaged about. Such you know, like not a lot of people are really going out there watching uh, nature shows or watching Mm -hmm. uh, cooking or you know sports shows. I don't know different things. I think that's why that's why YouTube has become much of a bigger platform for that because Uh, I've seen like. I think I do follow this one guy called um, Coyote Peterson who does um, um, a Wilderness. Mm-hmm. He does. He has that YouTube channel called Wilderness where he goes and it's, it's more. It's a it's a nature thing and he does get. Um, and he does the thing you gotta watch. I do recommend to check him out. It's called Bizarre Wilderness with um, Coyote Peterson. What he does, he takes the different stings of different insects and the, how the body reacts to them. He hits and he gets stung. Like he does different levels. I definitely recommend it. And he shows you. He explains to you. Because there is a rating on the effectiveness of a sting with the various insects and how it affects the human body. He does that risk just to show, just to educate people. He goes to different regions. He even goes to the Southwest and what the different, like, and he does, a, well, likewise, it's like a nature thing where, you know, he teaches you what to watch out for, what the signs of it, and, you know, how your body reacts to it. Because he got treated for all of them. So he has an antidote for all of them, but he shows you his reaction. Like, he takes himself to show how he reacts to it and how his body reacts to it. And it's freaking crazy. Um, definitely recommend that. Check that one out. It's called Bizarre Wilderness on um, YouTube. Just look at it. Look up. Oh, you look up Coyote Peterson. That's the host's name. Because he's been on Conan. He was on Conan. He was on talk shows, mm-hmm. late night shows as well. And he talks about that and what, what goes into it. You know, he does research. Like, he has a good crew that's dedicated to help him out. He has people that are. Now be trained on staff on standby in case something goes wrong, and then he he gets in touch with you know local conservation groups to interact with the animals. So he not doesn't do insects, but he does different animals, animals you never thought you'd be close to. He's almost like almost like a Steve Irwin type of thing, even though his family's into that as well. 
So, so I was watching like these old Jimmy Fallon videos when Kevin Hart, how they had um, Seward and Sutherland there, how he's introducing all uh, the different animals, how they're freaking out and shit. Yeah. That's funny as hell, but yeah, definitely well, check it out. Like I said, I know this has been, we were going soft tangent, just random stuff today, but definitely check those out. Like you said, and then speaking of food, you talk about Hell's Kitchen, you know, when it comes to the anime and manga that comes to mind, um, Shokugeki no Shoma or Food Wars. Because it kind of, you know, follows this character named Soma who, you well, know... Here, I, I gotta go because I have to fucking... I have to get the, name, the second shot. Oh, yeah. Because I gotta go get his second vaccine, guys. He's become one of us vaccine. now, so... Yeah. He's become fully vaccinated, so... Yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and take a break and I'll probably gonna close this out with you guys. I do want to get out some recommendations, so Biko's gonna take off. But don't worry, guys. We'll keep going. So, we'll see you back after the ad break. Hey everybody, this episode of Talking Pop is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episodes starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to check out poddex.com. Make sure you use that special promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or Gamefighter Podcast. Simply shuffle up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. Once again, that is poddex.com. And make sure to use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. Alright guys, um, Biko had to take off because he wanted to go get a second vaccine. Um, Pretty much... Capitalizing when we were talking about like Hell's Kitchen and stuff and cooking shows. I mean, if you're a big fan of those, take it out. But like I said, the one anime um, that came to mind was Shoku Geki no Soma. Um, that's pretty much the manga itself. It's about, you know, Soma who pretty much, you know, he runs a family restaurant with his dad. His dad, you know, becoming a top chef and, you know, ends up leaving and traveling the world. And of course, um, both of them have that, this common desire to, you know, experiment with different ingredients and there's this um academy that's like the highest like cooking academy and they have these kind of like these food battles um kind of similar to like iron chef here in the u.s where they're called shokugeki's like a food battle where they get judged on their dishes and they pretty much bid on certain things like it could be like you know kitchen utensils or ranking in school so this dude like soma he ends up going to that school he ends up running a Across this girl named Erina, who's the Golden Tongue, who's kind of like the self, who they dubbed the goddess of the academy because her dad's kind of like one of the directors. Her grandfather's one of the directors on the board, one of the heads of the school. And she, he runs into her, and of course, they have this kind of like this tension between them. And of course, Soma being like this up and coming, you know, prospect as a chef. And you go through, it's like a school. So it's like they're, you get, you run to these different students who are specialized in different aspects of cooking. And fucking the meals look great. I mean, and of course, being it's kind of like a shonen type of battle style manga, of course, like I said, they battle with food. And of course, a little bit etchy in there because when, you know, these chefs try the food, it gets to the point they have this euphoric, you know, orgasmic experience. To the point they lose their clothing when they're enjoying the food and they're describing you know, the texture, the taste, the presentation of the of the meals. And like I said, they give back their ring. So definitely check it out. Let me pull up um, my anime list from it. Let me pull it up here. Like you can check out the manga itself. It's let me see. 
I could probably have a better description for you guys. So, so let me go ahead and pull it up for you as well. But like I said, um, trying to close it out with that. I would consider that as like an anime recommendation. If you guys want to check out, if you got that, if you're hungry and don't know what to watch, if you're into battle type anime, let me go to Food Wars. I can read you the whole synopsis and where you can find it. Here it is. You can check it out with the first season, but definitely check out the manga itself. But let me read the whole thing. I know I gave you a kind of last description of what I can remember, but I might have to go back and rewatch it again because they released the final season. Um, you can check it out. Here we go. Let me go back and pull it up. The synopsis here. Okay, here we go. Shokugeki no Soma of Food Wars. Um, it's Echi School Shonen. Um, the anime came out in 2015. Like I said, it's based on a manga. Studios by JC Staff. Um, it's licensed by Sentai Filmworks. You can check it out on Crunchyroll or High Dive. Has it in dub as well. But you can check it out on Crunchyroll. Um, pretty much the synopsis is, ever since he was a child, it's from my anime list. Right now, it's currently at 8.2 right now on my anime list. Um, it's ranking at number 278 popularities out of 54. Um, the synopsis is, ever since he was a child, 15-year-old Soma Yukihira has helped his father by working as a sous chef in the restaurant his father runs and owns. Throughout the years, Soma developed a passion for entertaining his customers with his creative skill and daring culinary creations. He's dreamed to someday own his family's restaurant as his head chef. Yet when his father suddenly decides to close the restaurant to test his cooking abilities in restaurants around the world, he sends Soma to Tatsuki, um, Tatsuki uh, Culinary Academy, an elite cooking school where only 10% of the students graduate. The institution is famous for the Shokogeki, Oh, food wars where students face off in intense high-stakes cooking showdowns. As Soma and his new schoolmates struggle to survive the extreme lifestyle of Tatsuki, more grave challenges await him, putting his years of learning under his father to the test. So, definitely check it out. Check out the anime. Like I said, it's currently on Crunchyroll. I believe it's on Hulu as well. And also on High Dive if you want to check out the dub. Um, sub for Crunchyroll. Um, you can read the manga itself, um, which I'm probably going to go back and watch the anime, but also read the manga as well to see how it ends. I don't know if it's still going. I'm not sure, but definitely check that out. But the manga I am reading, that I'm starting to pick up, even though, yeah, I'm still keeping on my Hero Academia and all the rest I'm reading. Um, one I'm currently picked up was basically off of a, basically off of an online recommendation, actually, um, um, if you, I listen to Trash Taste, and um, one of the guys, Giguk, is his name, his YouTube name, and he talked about this series, uh, this manga that's come, that's called Zom 100, Bucketless of the Dead. Um, the story is by Haro Aso, and art by Kotaro Takada, Takara. And I'm gonna read you the back of the because I started reading the first volume, I might get the next volume, but I'm gonna um, read you this. Um, basically, the whole story is here. Um, the synopsis says, after spending years totally away for a soul-crushing company, Akira's life has lost his luster. But when a zombie apocalypse vanishes town, it gives him the push he needs to live for himself. Now Akira is on a mission to compete, complete all 100 items on his bucket list before he, well, kicks the bucket. In a trash filled apartment, 24-year-old Akira Tendo watches a zombie movie with lifeless, envious eyes. After spending three hard years at an exploitative cooperate. Co Corporation Japan, his spirit is broken. He can't even muster the courage to confess his feelings to his beautiful co-worker, Otori. Then one morning, he stumbles upon his landlord eating lunch, which happens to be another tenant. The whole city is swarming with zombies, and even though he's running from impending doom, Akira has never felt more alive. So basically, based on what I read so far, I'm still like chapters into the first volume. 
basically, he's a young man who pretty much spent three years of his life working in an office to the point of being exploited and stuff. How he had time to spend by himself. All of a sudden, this zombie apocalypse happens, and you think the first reaction is like, holy shit, zombie apocalypse. No, he's like, finally, I don't have to go to work. So it's like, now he wants to do a hundred things before he becomes a zombie, so he now makes his whole list of things he wants to do. Which were interesting, and of course, you know, with the whole zombie um, happening in the background, he's trying to find things that can make it work. So definitely check out this manga. Um, it's published by Viz Media. Definitely check it out. I got this off on Amazon, so definitely check it out to read. Um, if I get digitally as well, or wherever you get your manga from, but definitely um, check this out because you know he does things like, oh, I'm out of beer. I'm gonna go. I'll do a beer run, especially with a family podcast. So long, he's like, oh, I haven't drunk beer in a while. I'm gonna sit down and watch TV and drink beer. So it's like that's one of the chapters. So like, yeah, it's intended for all the audiences. So definitely check it out. It's called Zone 100: Bucket List of the Dead. Check that out. Um. Like I said, that's pretty much going to be it for the week. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to check out our backlog of episodes on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, iHeartRadio, and Pandora, and any other podcast outlets. You can follow the podcast on that, Pop Talkin'. That's P-O-P-T-A-L-K-I-N. We tweet links to the episodes, or if you have any ideas or topics or any suggestions or you want any reactions to us to respond to you can tweet us on there as well you can follow the podcast on facebook at facebook.com slash talking pop um you can follow me on twitch i am the casual gamer on twitch.tv slash franchise 685 you can follow me on the socials at the franchise 85 on twitter um you can check out our merch store at spring.com search for talking pop we got tank tops because it's fucking hot outside and once fall begins we got hoodies with the new logo on them you can check it out there we got shirts with the new logo we got a Biko shirt and a franchise shirt that's also available on on there we also got coffee mugs as well and stuff for your phone and actually decals as well and, he, and, he, and check it out if you want to rock the shirt if you enjoy the podcast also a big shout out to our international listeners thank you so much for taking your time of your busy days listening to our podcast we really appreciate you guys listening to us. Also, thank you to Poddex as well, who is our main sponsor, who's one of our sponsors for, you know, taking a chance on us. I also want to thank Anchor as well for being one of the platforms to help us revitalize our passion in podcasting. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. If you're watching football, also American football, because I guess NFL is in preseason right now, but if you like, you know, regular football, check out Premier League and the Liga currently going right now. Definitely check it out. Thank you so much. Take care of yourselves out there. Make sure you get vaccinated or even mask up. As always, geek on. Take care. We'll see you guys again next week.